You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, kitties, and welcome to my world. I would come over and say hello to you, but it's just as easy for you to come to me. Yes, yes, come in. You've come to the right place. This is where you'll learn everything there is to know about your furry feline friends. I'm talking about cats. Yes, I know. We are positively perfect pets. What do you mean I have attitude? Why, of course I do. I'm a cat. It's called Catitude. As I was saying, this show is all about cats. Cats and... Oh, yes, uh, cats. So let me introduce you to my accomplice, I mean assistant and host of Catitude, Tom Doc. Okay, Tom, tell them how wonderful we cats are. It's okay, you have my permission. Welcome to the Catitude Channel on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Tom Doc. Thanks for joining us again, and thanks to everyone who listened to our Siamese show. I was very happy to get several emails from people who said that they learned a lot about the show. Special thanks to Kristen in Indianapolis. She wrote in and said that she had always thought that Siamese were mean, like Cy and Am in The Lady and the Tramp, that they were mean, conniving, and always getting into things, and now she knows a lot better. And those of you who love Siamese already knew that, but now we've taught Kristen something, and that's really what this show is all about learning about our feline friends how we can make their life better so that they in turn will help make our life better all right so we're going to focus in on persian cats today persians are the most popular pedigreed cat in america at this point in time and for many people they really epitomize what a purebred cat is all about they epitomize the pedigreed nature and the elegance and sophistication of, of purebred cats these are truly the aristocats of the cat world. The Cat Fanciers Association website says that Persians are playful but never demanding. They love to pose and will drape themselves in a favorite window or chair, enhancing the decor in much the same way as a treasured painting. Now, how much more elegant can you get than that? Enhancing the decor. Now, I don't think of my cats as enhancing the decor or being part of the furnishings, but I certainly can see where somebody could see one of these Persian cats laying across the back of the couch and just imagining that it becomes the focal point of the entire room. And certainly the Persians love that as well. So we'll talk about the history of the Persians today. They do have some pretty specific uh, breed issues that we have to deal with. Um, and then when we take our break, we'll come back midway through the show and we'll talk about pet dental health. February is coming up and that is pet dental health month. Now I'm recording this in January. You may be listening to it at any point in time during the year, but pet dental health month is in February. It's when we focus on our the dental needs of our pets, but this is something that's good information to have at any time during the year. So we need to get ready to hear from our sponsors, but as is my tradition, I want to give you guys a trivia question prior to going to break. This trivia question is going to focus in on Persian cats. For those of you who are James Bond fans out there, James Bond had an arch enemy. Actually, the whole British Secret Service had this arch enemy, and they very rarely ever showed this character's face. They always showed him petting a chinchilla Persian. And this cat showed up in about six different films, including From Russia With Love, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice. My question to you is, what was the name of that character who was a supervillain from the James Bond universe? 
I'll have that answer for you when we come back right after we hear from our sponsors. Do I hear a can being opened? I believe I smell tuna! Catitude will return after these messages. That should give me enough time to investigate what's going on in the kitchen. Don't have a hissy fit. We'll be right back. I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. Luckily, there's World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that promises less mess with less litter. Only World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to quickly trap odors in tight clumps. And quick clumping means you never have to chisel or scrape the box. Less cleanup with less wasted litter? That's a litter bit amazing. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. How dare they open a can of tuna and make a sandwich out of it? I can see why some of my celebrity pals prefer lasagna. Well, anyway, I did manage to grab myself the canary while I was in there. Quiet, bird. We're going to hear the rest of my show, Catitude. If you behave, I may not eat you until later. Okay, Tom, you may continue. Okay, we're back to the Catitude channel. Again, my name is Tom, and we're talking about Persian cats today. Thanks to Pet Life Radio and all of our sponsors for allowing these shows to go on so that we can inform you all about the wonders of the animal kingdom and, of course, my favorites, the felines. I had a trivia question for you before we went to break. How'd you do with that? We wanted to know who was the evil genius that is the arch enemy of James Bond. He was a man who always had a chinchilla Persian in his lap. That character's name was Ernst Stavro Blofeld. Blofeld was the character's name that I was looking for. And he did. He always had a chinchilla Persian with him. Interestingly enough, we almost never saw Blofeld's face. We always saw him with his hand petting the cat. There were three or four different actors that actually portrayed Blofeld, but really there was only one cat. That was a chichilla Persian, a little male, and his name was Solomon. So he actually outlasted the actors. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But um, he was in film, and there's, of course, several um, cartoons that use Persian cats. And even in Austin Powers, the International Man of Mystery, Mike Myers had a Persian cat at the very beginning for Dr. Evil. But then, of course, he went into space, and he got cryogenically frozen, and he came out a sphinx instead of a Persian. So, anyway, enough about James Bond. Um, Let's go right into talking about our Persians. As I mentioned earlier, Persians are the most popular pedigreed cat in the United States, and it's actually been that way almost since the day that they got here. Persians have been the number one, as far as registrations go, since the 1870s. So that's more than 130 years of being number one. And honestly, if you look at the numbers, it doesn't look like they're going to fall off number one anytime soon. There were more than 18,000 Persians registered last year in the United States. And the closest competitor, I believe, was the Maine Coon with about 14,000. So... You know, they're, they're sitting up and sitting pretty right there, which, of course, is what Persians do very well. Let's go into the history of the Persians, and imagine taking yourself back in time, and you're part of a caravan. You're winding your way through the dusty desert, coming into Europe from Iran. 
and you've got rare spices with you and you've got jewels and of course on all these camels you've got all this treasure but there was probably even one more precious cargo that you were bringing with you and that was an occasional long-haired cat now long-haired cats are unique you don't see long hair in cats in the wild when these first arrived in Europe, which was probably in Italy around the 1500s, these cats were called Persians because of their country of origin. There are hieroglyphic references, though, dating back as far as 1600 BC, so more than 2,000 years ago, actually more than 3,000 years ago, that depicted a Persian type of cat. Now, we don't have any proof that these were actually Persians, but we do know that this is one of the oldest breeds. And I talked with y'all a little bit about breeds in cats last week with Siamese, and it, it bears reiterating right here in that we've been breeding dogs for specific purposes for many thousands of years, but nobody ever really bred cats for a specific purpose. They just kind of were there until the last several hundred years, um, especially in the late 19th century and all the way through the 20th century. It was really the heyday of most of the development of the breeds that we see, the 41 different breeds that the CFA recognizes. But Persians, like Siamese, are probably a very old breed, even ancient breed. And of course, you don't see long hairs in wild cats because it's a recessive gene, so it's going to be bred out. And when that mutation shows up, People will go crazy for it, and that's exactly what happened back in the 17th, 18th centuries as these cats came from Asia into Italy and France and then finally into Great Britain. And some of these cats were originally called Angora cats because of the similar cat uh, from Turkey that they looked like, and their original body type was much more similar to the Angoras that we see today. You had a cat that was a little bit leaner, a little slimmer, not got that heavy body type that is typical of the Persian today. Um, in fact, Angoras and Persians are probably cousins, and a lot of Angoras were used in the early breeding programs of Persians. Now, these cats had a much more coarse coat, much shorter coat than what we see today, but the breeders, with their selective breeding patterns, decided to choose the longer, more full coat with the long undercoat. Now, the long hairs that you see are normally a guard hair. They're the more coarse hair on the outside um, of the cat facing the exterior, and then you have a shorter undercoat. And what these breeders did was they selected cats who had longer undercoats. So now the undercoat is as long as the guard hairs. It's nice and silky, and that's the Persians that we see today. Also, the body type, the Persian body type, won out, and you see less of an Angora look to the Persians, uh, much more of a, a cobby body. Persians also got a big helping hand because Queen Victoria, as with so many pets, decided that these Persians needed to have royal patronage, and she kept some blue Persians, and her son, King Edward VII, also donated Persians to many of the cat shows during the late 19th and early 20th century. Now, Persians are going to be probably the polar opposite of Siamese. We talked about Siamese being lean and slim and angular and just and long and lithe. Persians are cobby. That's what we compare these cats, we say they're foreign type, which is like a Siamese or the Aussie cats or things like that, compared to the Kabi type, which are the Persians and the short hairs. These animals are stocky, they're solid. Some people will describe them as heavy, not meaning that they're fat, but they're just, they're solid cats. They have shorter legs, 
a shorter neck, and some people will describe them actually as being massive, almost with a mane of hair. The males especially will get a big, beautiful mane around their face, which is absolutely gorgeous. But probably the reason that people love Persian so much is simply the number of colors. There is just a profusion of colors that you're going to find with the Persian breed. CFA, the Cat Fanciers Association, and by the way, I use their information more than anybody else's because they're the largest registry in the United States, and it's the easiest one to get information from. They say that there's more than 90 different colors that you can show a Persian cat in. In the United States, they break those colors down into seven different color divisions for the Persian breed. Now, if you go to Europe, if you go to Britain, each variety of color is shown as a separate breed. So you have chinchilla Persians, you have solid color Persians, you have the Himalayans. They all get their best to show as a different breed. But here in the United States, there are divisions within the Persian breed, and then one cat is chosen out of all seven divisions. Those divisions can be broken down as solid colors. And of course, this is what you think of most of the time when you think of a Persian cat, the solid white, the solid black, the solid blue, or even a solid red. It may seem to you that it would be pretty easy to produce a solid color cat, but really it's not. All cats are genetically tabbies, and so you're going to have tabby markings somewhere on the cat. If you get it in a strong enough light, especially when they're kittens, you're going to see the tabby markings. Producing a solid color cat without any patterning, any shading, or any ticking is a very difficult thing to do. And so solid colors, when you do get a good quality one, are just absolutely gorgeous animals and animals that you just fall in love with immediately. Reds especially are somewhat difficult to get this because of the way the gene that colors for the orange color is connected with the tabby. It's a very, very difficult thing to get a red that does not have any markings to it at all. My favorite Persians, the two divisions that I like, are the silvers and the smokes. I actually used to breed shaded silver Persians and just really loved them. Very mellow cats and just outstandingly gorgeous. If you think about I'm pretty sure the cat is on the Fancy Feast commercial that runs up to the crystal bowl. That's a type of silver or smoke pattern. Um, it's actually known as a chinchilla. I think once or twice they've used a shaded silver Persian in the commercials. But we get the smokes and the shades and the silvers from a gene that inhibits color in the hair. And normally you've got color throughout the whole hair shaft. This inhibitor gene actually will keep the color just to a certain point, the tip, actually, of the hair. And depending on how much this gene is expressed, you can have very little color expressed at the tip or a lot more color. And that's the difference between the chinchillas, which are very light, and the black smokes or the silver smokes that are much darker and have almost a white undercoat but a very dark outer coat. Also popular are the tabby cats, um, party colors like the tortoiseshells and the Calicos are very popular. There's probably nothing more gorgeous than a full calico Persian cat. The long hair, the striking colors, the orange and black on the white, just very pretty cats. Bicolor cats are actually very popular in Persian breeds right now. Um, these are your colors that are a blue and white, uh, black and white, so just kind of a, a white pattern, but they don't have the party color. They don't have the red in it as well. And finally, the seventh division is the Himalayans. These are pointed Persians, so they are 
Persians that look like Siamese as far as their coloration. And we are going to talk about them in a whole different show because they really deserve their own show. Hemis are absolutely wonderful cats, and I think we need to give them their due. Persians also have probably wonderful personalities. Breeders and people who own Persians always talk about their very placid temperament, how gentle they are, and how they're happy to be indoors. We talked about our Siamese last week and how they're so inquisitive and they like to be into things. Well, Persians just like to be next to you. They like to be on your lap. They like to be behind you. They like to just be near you. They're very quiet cats, somewhat undemonstrative, and compared with the talkative Siamese, they have more of a melodious voice, um, more of a chirp, I would call it. These animals are just super responsive to their owners. A lot of breeders that I talked with will also say that they enjoy having them while they're working on the computer or reading the newspaper, just being part of their lives. Persians are pretty healthy cats all in all, and if you get a Persian kitten from a reputable breeder, you're probably not going to run into any problems. However, there is a little bit of a controversy going on with Persian breeders right now, just like with any pedigreed animal. And that is that you look at the doll face of the Persians, which is the normal round head, and compare these doll faces to the real pug face cats that you see. A lot of reds and a lot of blacks now have a very smushed in face. In fact, I'm looking at a best of breed picture here from the CFA website of a white Persian and extremely smushed in face like a pug dog or a bulldog. Now, obviously, when you have that shortened nose, there's going to be potential health problems. One thing that we see in the veterinary field is cats that have very small nostrils. We call this constricted nares, and it's very difficult for these cats to breathe. But luckily, there's surgery that can be done to open up those nostrils a little bit more, let air flow a little bit better. With these big eyes and smushed faces, you're obviously going to have some tearing problems as well. But a good part of the grooming regimen should be to wash your Persian's face with a damp washcloth every day. Get in those folds and clean out any of the staining that's going on. And of course, daily grooming needs to be part of owning a Persian. You need to brush these cats every day because they will get matted very, very easily at the slightest irritation of the coat, whether it's getting wet, getting um, just ruffled too much. They are going to mat, and that's going to be a problem. And to me personally, there's nothing sadder than a shaved-down Persian. Some people love to shave them down, especially during the summertime, because they give them a lion cut, and they think they look cute. But personally, I, if I have a Persian, I want to see that coat. And so I don't like to see these cats shaved down. So if you're out looking for a Persian kitten, look for one with clear eyes, clear nose. Um, we don't like to see that smushed in face. I know that some breeders prefer that. Um, I myself, I prefer the shaded silvers and the chinchillas that have the longer face. You don't see as much of the pugged faces in that variety. One very big concern with Persian cats is a disease called polycystic kidney disease. Now this is a disease that people get, but cats get it also, and it's a genetic disease, meaning that it's inherited from mom and dad. 
it's a slowly progressing disease where cysts form on the kidneys and these cysts take up space which would normally be normal kidney tissue and as you lose the normal kidney tissue you lose the ability to filter through the blood and so the animal starts building up kind of a toxins in their bloodstream of course and you get larger kidneys with less filtering capability and of course that's a problem that's going to lead to kidney failure now what's interesting is this disease is inherited through a dominant gene and you would normally think that if it's a dominant gene it should be easy to see and you can select them out of your breeding program but because this is a slowly progressing disease what happens is a lot of times you've allowed these animals to breed before you even know they have the disease the average age of onset is about seven years actually so a lot of times you've been breeding this cat for four or five years and you don't even know what's going on and prior to recent years the only way that we really knew that a cat had polycystic kidney disease was that we could ultrasound it and see the cysts on the kidney nowadays we actually have genetic testing that's available and this is hugely important for people who breed persian cats or are thinking about getting a persian cat it's been estimated that about 37% of Persians carry this gene. And again, this is a dominant gene. So if you get a copy from either parent, from mom or dad, you're going to develop this disease. And you may not develop it as severe, but there's an equal likelihood that you could develop a more severe disease if you're a cat. If you get a copy from mom and from dad, that's what's called a lethal homozygous and what it means basically is the two dominant genes basically kill the kitten. These animals won't survive. So what we want to look for are cats that do not have this gene, that have the recessive version of the gene, so they don't have polycystic kidney disease, and those are the ones that we want to breed. And luckily, the genetic testing is available now through the University of California at Davis. The veterinary hospital out there has a genetic center, and you can actually send a little cheek swab in, just like you would do with CSI you know how they take the DNA of all the murder suspects same thing with your kitty get a little q-tip and get the cheek cells off of there and send that in and you can find out whether or not your cat is carrying this gene for this disease and then find out whether or not it's going to be possible for you to breed that cat or not so again polycystic kidney disease genetic testing is available Persians are related to several different breeds. We've already talked about the Himalayans, which are simply pointed Persians. They have the coloration of the Siamese. But there's another Himalayan, which very interestingly enough was thought we could develop early in the 20th century, but hasn't shown up until just recently. And it's a solid colored Himalayan. Imagine a Himalayan that's got chocolate points on it and then spread that chocolate out throughout the whole body. There had never been chocolate Persians before. Some breed associations will call these cats cashmeres, so they're solid Himalayans, but Himalayans are pointed Persians, so I guess cashmeres are really solid pointed Persians. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but they're all Persians, um, but it's taking those uh, lilacs and those chocolates that aren't seen in the Persian coloration and making them solid throughout the whole body. That about does it for our Persian rundown. I hope that you learned a little bit about that breed of cat today. They are, like I said, Aristocats. They really epitomize the elegance of purebred cats. We need to take a break and hear from our sponsors. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about pet dental health. 
Do I hear a can being opened? I believe I smell tuna. Catitude will return after these messages. That should give me enough time to investigate what's going on in the kitchen. Don't have a hissy fit. We'll be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. <coughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the cat tree tray. The cat tree tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a six inch tray for large bowls and a four inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. How dare they open a can of tuna and make a sandwich out of it? I can see why some of my celebrity pals prefer lasagna. Well, anyway, I did manage to grab myself the canary while I was in there. Quiet, bird. We're going to hear the rest of my show, Catitude. If you behave, I may not eat you. Until later. Okay, Tom, you may continue. And we're back to the Catitude channel. Thanks again for listening to us, and thanks for listening to Pet Life Radio. I want to talk a little bit about pet dentistry. Now, it's the end of January when I'm recording this, and I may realize that you guys are probably listening to this at any point in time, that you may be listening in the middle of summer, but February is Pet Dental Health Month, and so this is a good time for me to talk about how you can help keep your cat's mouth healthy and keep them happy and make sure that everything's going to go right in their mouth, keep them their teeth around for the life of the cat. The most common, or at least one of the most common diagnoses of cats across the United States is the presence of dental disease. And this is a disease that not only affects the health of the pet, but also affects your interaction with that pet. Now, we all know how much we love our animals, and we'll allow them to nuzzle with us and even kiss us. But if your cat has very bad dental disease, you know, they're going to have bad breath. They're going to have halitosis. You're not going to want to nuzzle with them or kiss them, and you're going to start pushing them away. And that really breaks the human-animal bond, which is not what we want. So we need to take a look at this. Banfield, the pet hospital, their data service, which is called Data Savant, did a survey. Now, this is dogs, but it pertains to cats as well. They looked at more than 90,000 dogs across the United States, and when they compared dogs with bad dental disease to a similar age dog without any dental disease, the dogs with bad teeth were eight times more likely to have an infection of the lining of the heart and five times more likely to have a heart murmur. In people, hospitals that do surgeries on the heart, the most common reason that somebody comes in to have the valves of their heart operated on is because they've got bad teeth. So we certainly know that there's a correlation between the bacteria in your mouth and heart problems. Dental care is really one of the most overlooked areas of pet care. The American Animal Hospital Association did a study, and less than 35% of pets who need dental care ever have a dental cleaning performed. Now let's back up just a little bit. 
and talk about why do we need to take care of our cat's teeth. After all, there's a lot of wild cats out there. They don't get their teeth taken care of, and they're fine, right? Well, think about those wild cats, whether it's the big cats like the leopards and the lions, or the little feral cats that are running around our neighborhood. These animals don't have near the lifespan that our indoor house kitties do. Persians often live 15, 20 years. I've seen Siamese live close to 25 years. A feral cat outdoors is lucky to make it five or six years. And obviously there's a lot of other things out there like you know cars and trucks that could smush the feral kitty. But because of their diets, because they get things like dental disease, they're not as healthy as our indoor pets. Now, some of you are going to disagree with me, and you're going to say, well, raw food and, and the bones and everything will help to clean cats' teeth. There were studies done about 10 years ago, one in Germany and one in Australia, and they looked at populations of feral cats and their diets, and they looked at these cats' teeth. I think there were about 60 cats in Germany and about 100 in Australia. And when they finally looked at all these cats, they found out that they had a huge preponderance of dental disease and fractured teeth and feline odontoclastic resorptive lesions, which is a specialized problem in cats. And these cats were eating lizards and bugs and birds and rodents, so natural diets for cats. This is a really big problem. Like I said, 85% of our pets have some sort of dental disease by the time that they're three years old. The other thing that you've got to think about is 60% of your cat's tooth is below the gum line. So almost two-thirds of the tooth can't be seen. And other studies have shown that 42% of cats who have mouths that appear absolutely normal, they have some sort of disease process or some sort of pathology going on under the gum line. So here's the important thing. We need to take care of our cat's teeth. It would be ideal if we could brush our cat's teeth every day. Now you and I out there know that our cat's aren't always going to allow that. So there are other options that you can do. There are certain diets that you can buy. Hills makes a great diet called Hills TD, and it's a kibble that is designed to stay together when the cat chews and scrub the teeth. Um, Imes and Friskies both have dental diets, and what they've done is add certain chemicals or abrasive type of material to the food that actually scrubs the cat's teeth. So that's another option that you could go with. There's a company called Greenies that makes a little sprinkle that you can put on your cat's food that will help to scrub the teeth. There are rinses that you can put in the water. Um, and probably my favorite thing is a barrier sealant that you can apply. And it's really easy to do. And once your veterinarian cleans your cat's teeth, once a week, you put a little bit of this barrier sealant on a Q-tip type device and rub it up and down the cat's side of the teeth on both sides for about 30 seconds and you're done for the week and that actually will electrostatically repel bacteria and of course bacteria are what make up plaque and plaque makes up tartar so if we can re repel that bacteria we're going to be doing okay and we're going to keep our cat's teeth a lot healthier and that means our whole cat is going to be a lot healthier see your veterinarian for routine dental care checkups like i said 60 percent of the tooth lies below the gum line. If your veterinarian offers dental x-rays, take them up on it. It's a good way of knowing how healthy your cat's mouth is. Cats are very prone to a condition called feline odontoclastic resorptive lesions, or FORLs for short. And these lesions are basically the enamel wears away 
and the pulp cavity of the cat's tooth gets exposed to the air. If you've ever had a broken tooth, you can imagine how painful this is. As a veterinary technician, we would do dentals, dental cleanings on these cats. And even under anesthetic, when you would touch one of these teeth, the cat's mouth would chatter. So that's a very painful condition. So you want to make sure your cat doesn't have that. Talk with your veterinarian. Oftentimes, they've got to extract the tooth, but that would be a lot better than letting your cat suffer every time they go down to chew their kibble. So that's it for our show today. I hope that I taught you a little bit about cats, a little bit about Persians, and a little bit about dentistry. Make sure you see your veterinarian. Stop by myvnn.com. That's the Veterinary News Network. You can see a video on dental care in pets. And of course, as always, if you have any questions at all, any comments or anything, email me at tom at petliferadio.com. Tom at PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks again to our sponsors for sponsoring our show. And I look forward to hearing from you all via email. And next week, I think we'll start looking at the Maine Coon and Norwegian Forest Cats. So you all have a perfectly great day. Go out there, let your curiosity run, and go love those cats. Bye-bye for now. Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Doc. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.